Uh, what we're going to do here today is I'm going to kick off the reading of uh, 1 Peter, just the first couple verses. And I'm going to take the rest of this year and I'm just going to use 1 Peter as a kind of a holder for us. In between series or seasons or things that we want to do, I'm just going to keep kind of just bit by bit, piece by piece, I'm going to work my way through 1 Peter because uh, it's a, just an awesome book. And the thought is, I bet a lot of people kind of miss 1 Peter for whatever reason. You know, we get in, super into the Gospels and uh, we love Acts, we, we love so many of the epistles and stuff, but, but I, I feel like maybe First and Second Peter, they, they get lost in the mix, but they're really, really wonderful, wonderful books that, that God has given to us. So I'm going to preach this week and next week, and then we're going to have our mental health awareness seers. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about the wellness of the whole person and things like that. Um, but we're going to kick it off today. So here's what I got to tell you, though. You're, you're going to get, I mean, just a fire hydrant of theology, of encouragement, uh, of insight, of wisdom just poured out on, on you today. But don't worry, we are going to keep working our way through it as the year goes on. As you hear these words of introduction, I think it might be helpful for you to do this. In your mind's eye, picture kind of a room. We're going to be stepping into the room that Peter is going to be setting up for us. And as we step into that room, I want you to first think about kind of the, 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 the the entryway, the, the, the width of this. Who is he writing to and why? And you're going to find that he, of course, is writing very specifically uh, to a set of Christians scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, but he's also going to be speaking to us and to our experience. I want you to also think about the height of that room. And really, as we enter the room, what we're going to find is kind of this C.S. Lewis Narnia miracle of the, the height of the room is ever-expanding because of the ever-expanding mercy and grace of our God. It just kind of goes on endlessly. But I also want you to think about the depth of it. What we experience now, we have to go deep into the promises and the assurances that we have in Jesus Christ, because what he's really gonna then spell out for us is how do we make sense of suffering in the world? So this is a powerful book then and now, because I've not met a single person who has ever said to me, don't know what pain is, don't know what suffering is, don't know what trials are, never experienced one. My life has been up and to the right every day of my life. So I've, no, I mean, that, that's not our life. So we're gonna find great, great wisdom in this book. Let me read the first couple verses for you again, and um, it's gonna be a lot, but don't, don't be overwhelmed here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Can somebody greatly rejoice for me? Oh, oh, <laughs> my goodness, we became Pentecostal since Jesus 
rose from the dead. I, I do. I love it. Um, and all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is the word of our Lord. I um, gave up as much technology as I, as I was able to for a lot of Lent. And uh, when Lent was over, I started binge-watching shows on Netflix again and checking things out. And one of the things that popped up in a recommended watch for me uh, was a documentary called Stutz. Uh, and I was like, I'll see what that's all about. And so I turned it on, and it was quite interesting. It, it, it was produced and directed by an actor named Jonah Hill. I'd seen him in a few other things. And he had really just been helped. He'd been helped, genuinely helped by this guy. And he's kind of become like this kind of counselor uh, to the stars. I, I think because he just was not enamored by their stardom and would just kind of simply treat them like human beings and, and, and help them. But again, it was, it was quite interesting. Uh, a little crass at some point, so whatever, but it, it might be helpful for you if you want to watch it and see how the counseling process often works. He tried to make it just about Stutz, but within about partway through, they discover he has to make it equally about himself and his own, his own journey. So again, very interesting, but here's the part that really stuck with me. And it stuck with me because one, it's true, and two, it's so obvious. And how funny is it sometimes we just don't look at the obvious things until somebody tells us to look at the obvious truth right in front of you. And, and he said this, and he says this to all of his clients. Um, Here are three realities of life that your stardom, your fame, your money, your power, it will, it will never save you from these three realities of life. I whetted your appetite now. You're like, what are these? And again, you're gonna hear them and you're gonna be like, wow, that's obvious. But again, sometimes we just have to hear the obvious things. He says, here's three realities of your life, no matter what your life is. Pain, uncertainty, and work. You know, and, and, and I guess for some people it's like, whoa, mind blown. But I loved how Stutz was just tapping into the truth that has been revealed to us by God's word and by our own experience. Because those are three things that in so many ways reflect what Peter is getting into in this letter, that there is going to be pain and suffering, hardships in your life. But here's what we're going to, so, so here's the whole point, here's, here's the whole setup. Peter is going to touch upon these realities, but then he's going to give us a hope. He's gonna give us something to hold on to. And so we're gonna keep reading about these pains that we, that we endure in this world. But then he's gonna say, but thanks be to God, who has actually experienced pain, who has suffered for us. And in fact, what we might say, because we now live in light of Easter and the resurrection, we can say, actually, Jesus doesn't just suffer alongside of us. He suffered in ways that we now never have to suffer. Amen, friends? Because he took on the sin of our lives. He took on the sins of the world. He took the death that we deserved. He bore the penalty for our transgressions. So we just say, wow, yes, we will experience some pain and suffering in this world, but Jesus, oh, so much more. Thanks be to God, right? And, and, and Stuss is gonna say, and there's a lot of uncertainty in life. Peter is gonna be writing to people that are in exile. 
and they didn't ask for this. They didn't choose this. They weren't looking for it. It happened to them. They were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were celebrating the outpouring of the Spirit, raising them to a new birth and to new life. And then lo and behold, in the midst of tremendous hope and joy, rejoicing, excitement, uh, and inheritance, promise them, all that stuff, they just begin to experience the uncertainties of persecution. And when we say persecution, they, we would say that they were literally being persecuted, of course, by the Roman government. They are being persecuted by religious leaders. And what Peter is going to get into, maybe the most painful one of all, actually, is persecuted sometimes even by their own families. Even by their own families, they are experiencing persecution. And then he's going to say, you know, and Stutz is like, and then life is like work. And... Yes, we're going to say a hearty amen, like, yes, you got to get up, you got to go, you got to do some stuff. But we work now in light of an eternal reward, an inheritance that is being guarded, kept in heaven for us. So let's just begin to break this down. It's going to feel like a lot just for the first couple of verses, but again, just keep holding on to this in the back of your mind. And we're going to just keep unpacking this book a little bit more and more as we go throughout the rest of the year. You got to love how he starts. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ. So let's just take a moment to remember Peter. Peter, the guy who was fishing on a boat and this guy Jesus comes up and asked to preach on the, 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 the kind of the stern there of the boat and the push out a little bit and he preaches this sermon and they had fished all night and they didn't catch anything and Jesus says, you know, throw your nets on the other side, put out and, and, and they throw their nets out and they get this miraculous catch and you just think it's gonna be amazing but Peter in that moment has this insight. Remember his words at that point, away from me, Jesus, because I'm a sinful man. He kind of recognized, again, there's something about this guy that is shining a light on me. And oh, at first he didn't like it, away from me, but he came to love him. And he came to love him. And Jesus says, I'm going to take you from a fisher man to a fisher of men. And they, Peter started following him. Peter was the one then who got out of the boat and walked on water. <laughs> until he took his eyes off Jesus and started to sink, to which all of us can relate those moments when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we feel our lives start to go under and to be overwhelmed. This is Peter, when Jesus said, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And then what do you say about me? And he was the one who first made that declaration. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Ooh, you know, this is Peter. Let's just fast forward all the way to kind of where we're at in the week leading up to Easter. Uh, you know, this is Peter who Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and, and he's like, not my feet, Lord. Like, no, that's a servant's job. And he's like, I have to wash your feet. And he's like, my whole body. And Jesus is like, calm down, Peter, calm down. It's symbolic, I mean, wash your feet here. And, and then he's like, I will never deny you, Lord. And then we know hours later, He's denying Jesus, abandoning Jesus. We know then from the story that we read last week that Peter, uh, the uh, Mary, comes and says, I went to the tomb, and it was empty. And, and Peter and John run there, and he leaps right in, and he, and he sees the empty tomb. It says he didn't fully understand, but belief. Belief was starting to well up again in Peter. He was there that night when Jesus revealed himself. But then Peter still is kind of stuck in this moment of betrayal, of denial, of feeling that he had disqualified himself. We have this beautiful story of Jesus calling him back from being a fisher to being the fisher of men, that he will be the apostle that Jesus sends to be the rock 
And then where he changed his name to the rock, I'm gonna build my church on you and the disciples. And, and oh, so, so, so now it's like 30 years after that. 30 years, give or take, we don't know exactly, but, but he has now been a faithful apostle going out, serving, sending, preaching, seeing miracles happen, and also beginning then to experience the persecution, the intense persecution that now has begun for the Christians. Because as this little band of believers begins to grow, so the attention to them is, is called, and so the persecution, particularly under Nero at this time, starts to well up. But here's Peter just saying, I need to, in my old age, because he's about 50 now, and I'm about 50 now. He says, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta write to these people that I love. I gotta write to these folks that have come to know and love Jesus Christ, but who are now experiencing this persecution, these trials, these sufferings. I, I've gotta give them a word because I don't know how much more time I'll have in my life to give them a word. And we think that about two years after these letters are written, that Peter would pay the price of his life for serving Jesus Christ. And so how does it start then? He says this, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect. Now, here's the thing. I could preach the rest of the sermon unpacking this. Um, this would be, uh, but then you'd, you'd all walk out and leave. Um, <laughs> it's such, I don't get why it always becomes a controversial topic of doctrinal conversation when it is revealed to us by God to be of comfort. So just keep that in mind. Why would God reveal to us, you are my elect? He reveals it to us for our peace, for our comfort, for the assurance of our faith. So without going into the minutia of the doctrine of election, what is this telling us? It's telling us in the most simple terms, God cast his vote for you. God cast his vote for you. God cast his vote for me. God is casting his vote for those to whom his affection turns. And God's affection has been for his children from the very beginning. From the fall, God's affection still turned toward us. And he launched into this plan of redemption. God's affection turned toward Abram and Sarah. He said, I'm going to bring a people out of you. God's affection turned toward his people or they are in captivity. In Egypt, God's affection turned towards uh, his people and brought them out of slavery and into a promised land. God's affection kept turning towards his people as they went through the period of the judges, as they went through the prophets. God's affection keeps turning toward us and God's affection comes to us in flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ calls men and women to himself, to know him, to love him, to be known and loved by him, and to follow him. So election is God simply saying, I choose you. But here's where it then lands. People say, well, then how do I know I'm elect? Well, let's just take a little quiz. Did you want to be in church today? Don't answer that. You are all in church. We'll just say, most of us, you wanted to be in church today. That's a pretty good sign that God's doing something in your life. When you hear these stories about Jesus, does something resonate? Does something ring true? Does something excite you? Does something about these stories in this life of Jesus just say like, I want to know more of that. I want to, I mean, I'm seeing heads nodding. Yes, so praise God. I, I, I mean, so we just kind of give it the litmus test of do, now that God has said he has chosen me, he has called me, he's cast his vote for me. Am I in a sense going in with God now? with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what is revealed so powerfully in these opening 
lines. Did you catch how this is to the glory of God the Father by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit? Somehow we see that all of this is working together to call people back to God and then forward together as the people of God in mission and ministry out into this world. And so Peter reveals this, God reveals this, because this is to be an incredible comfort to a people in duress, in suffering, in pain, in difficulty, in trials. He knows we need to have the comfort of God saying, what's happening to you, what's happening to you is all a part of my plan because I have already called and chosen you. Hallelujah, amen. This is to comfort us. This is to assure us. This is to encourage us. So be encouraged by it. He says to God's elect exiles scattered throughout what we would say is modern day Turkey. Now here's where we have to go a little bit deeper to set the stage for what Peter is gonna take us into. They are literal exiles, but also they are metaphorical. I should say metaphysical exiles. They are literal exiles. They've been kicked out of their homes, their towns, their country even, and they have been scattered throughout modern day Turkey. So they are experiencing a literal exile, but they are also experiencing, and we are experiencing what we would say is a metaphysical exile because those whom God calls to himself, another way that the scriptures explain it is our citizenship, our belonging is now in heaven, but we still for a period spend time on this earth as it is now. And so metaphysically, their assurance, their inheritance, their citizenship is being stored away in heaven, but right now they are still living in a sense to say as exiles in the land. And the thing that I think is so beautiful about what is happening here is we have people who have literally come from different lands. In a sense, you've been exiled from where you were born, what you first know, and now we come together as the people of God. Is there anybody here from South Africa, I wonder? Yes, there are, imagine that. Is there anybody, I saw you. Is there anybody here from Brazil? Anybody here from China? Anybody here from, where, I'm, lo I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking around. Where, where are people from? Where, it's kind of hard for me to see. If you weren't born here, where were you born? California. California. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't count. That. <laughs> We're everywhere. Where else? Zimbabwe. Oh, sorry, in the back. Yeah, Zimbabwe. Where else? Chile. In the back there. Anything? Whatever. I mean, so we've experienced a displacing of ourselves. But all of us, no matter who we are as Christians, even if we got here from another place, this is the identity that God is actually inviting us to embrace. You're going to better understand yourself. You're gonna better understand my plan. You're gonna better make sense of the things you're experiencing. If you simply understand, y'all are exiles. This ain't your home anymore the way it is. And so your experiences aren't gonna align with what you long to be true for you and for this world. I came to know this in a powerful way when I was called to ministry in a foreign nation and I didn't wanna go, it was gonna be difficult. I knew it was a pagan, an awful uh, place where I would suffer great persecution and trials, but I went to Canada um, for, for a few years. Whoo, let me tell you, 
Let me tell you, Canada. I mean, okay, all, all kidding aside. So um, here's, let me, here, here's the one thing I could say about my, my years of trial in Canada. Um, <laughs> apologies to my Canadian family and friends who are going to be watching. Um, this is the only point I'm going to make about this. There was something about the experience that it was like, it was almost normal. It was almost right. It was almost all that I ever knew. And yet it was kind of different. It was kind of off. Like I still drank milk, but I got milk from a bag. I was like, what's that all about? You know, like I still went and got coffee, but I got coffee at the place called Tim Hortons because he was a hockey player, really liked coffee. Uh, I paid for things, but I used loonies and toonies. I'm like, what is this all about? These little coins that everybody's tossing around. I mean, I still drove my car, but I drove my car on the left side of the road. I don't know why I was gone to accidents because you don't drive on the left side of the road. I know, I'm just, I, I just wanted to see if somebody be like, yeah, that's really hard when you're, no, no. Anyways, but here's the thing. It was, it was my home, but it wasn't. It was very, it was very much what I knew and experienced and loved and lived in my whole life growing up. And yet I knew that it wasn't the same. And it just always became this living metaphor of, oh, every time something seems a little different, a little off, a little, oh, that's not the way I do it or, or, or whatever. It was just always those little reminders. Well, you know what? We're all exiles. We're all resident aliens. Anybody here actually, I, I, I mean, I was, when I first landed, I was actually literally, I was like a resident alien with a visitor's card living in Canada. Um, anyway, and, and, and anyways, um, what Peter is telling people is saying, you just need to get that you're just not exiled here and now because you're in now modern day Turkey. No matter what happens, as he's gonna go deeper into the theology, you're always now gonna be exiles. You're just always gonna be exiles until you are called home, which he knew some of them would be called home, meaning they would die, they would be martyred, they would pay the price of the face, or until Christ is revealed, which he gets into later in the passage as we pray for Christ to be revealed, for Christ to come back. And so we live in this already, not yet. If you look to verse three, and I have to unpack a couple more things, so I'm gonna swing back. But if you look at verse three, he's gonna say, you've been called to a living hope. Somebody say living hope. Living hope. All right. We have a current already living hope. We have a living hope in us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ applied to us by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit that calls us to call on God, to know him as father, to call Jesus savior and Lord, and to live daily by that empowering presence of the spirit in our lives. We have a present living already hope right now. Hallelujah and amen, woohoo, let's own it. Let's live into it. But then like in, the, in, in like his next breath then, um, he's going to say, but you have an inheritance kept in heaven for you. There's also the not yet part of your life. And this just rings perfectly true with our experience because our experience tells us this world is not the way it's supposed to be. I have these moments of joy, of hope, of beauty, of love, of laughter, of life. And I have these moments of pain, of suffering, of trial, of agony, of hurt, right? Already, not yet. Here's the way I like to land on it. It, it is only when we go deep into discipleship and following Jesus Christ that we learn to sing two songs as people of faith. 
the first song that we sing, and I'm gonna say this quite intentionally, I think the first song that we should sing, and we should keep singing this, this should be our daily song that we sing. It should be, this is my father's world. Anybody know that one? I love that one. I go to the old hymns and I do these stories. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. We should wake up and we should be predisposed we should incline towards saying, God is good. Jesus has been raised. I have life to him. I have breath in my lungs to pour out and praise to him today. It's my father's world and I will serve my father. And let's get on with the business of glorifying God and living as the best neighbors the world has ever seen. Because this has been the role of exiles. If we just step back and why does Peter pull in that imagery of the exile? Because right then people would know when they were in exile in Babylon, when they were like, God, what is happening? What was the response? What did Jeremiah say? I know, I get it, but here's what I want you to do. Okay, what do you want us to do, Jeremiah? How do we live as exiles? Build a house, plant a crop, start a family, bless your neighbors. Their blessing is tied with your blessing. And this is all part of my plan to reveal myself to all the nations. And so we just get on living like those exiles who live for the blessing of our neighbors. But then we know in the midst of that, sometimes we have to sing another song. This world is not my home. And I had to write down the words of this one because we don't sing this one as much, but sometimes, sometimes you gotta sing this one. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I, I gotta say, that's true as well. Sometimes there are experiences in my life that just remind me that this world as it now exists, still in darkness, still in sin, still in the curses of the fall. I know, I know this is not how it's supposed to be. But we take that pain, those trials, that suffering, we take it in stride as we sing those. And then, and then this is what he says, and then I'll wrap it up here. And he says to these uh, elect people and your exiles and you're scattered throughout the world, here's the hard truth of that. This is a very part of the glorious plan and purpose of God to get the gospel to all nations. And here's what the nations would just stand confounded by. What we tried to do to destroy you has only led to the growth and the expansion, the greater blessing of the church. Because that again was happening simultaneously as they were being persecuted, killed, spread out. I mean, kicked out of their homes, kicked out of their land. They would go to a new land and what would they do? They'd keep worshiping God. They'd keep planting churches. They'd keep loving their neighbors. And lo and behold, here we are today. People bound together by this love that we have for Jesus Christ. And that's what resident, I mean, and that's what holds resident aliens like us together. Because as already highlighted, our backgrounds, our experiences, our dispositions, frankly, just our tastes are so different in this room that it is only the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that holds us together. But that should be the thing that is always holding us together and what we lift up above all other things. The love of the Father through our, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit um, so 
um, yeah, verses three and four, uh, you know, that's when they get into kind of this already, not yet, the living hope that we now have already, but the inheritance kept in heaven for us, the not yet. He's, he's, gonna, he's gonna, you know, tease that out for us as the letter goes on. Verses six and seven that I read, I'm, I'm gonna just wrap it up here. Um, greatly rejoice in all kinds of trials. Greatly rejoicing in all these trials. Here's where, again, I would say, and, I, and I'll, I'll make this kind of comment often, here's where preaching has to end and, and, and experience and transformation uh, has to step in because a person can only rejoice greatly in the midst of suffering if God is at work in that person. I mean, that's the, I, I, I mean, I could, again, I could try and create some eloquent argument, some apologetic for try, you know, but here, here's, here's what life has taught me. The way that, I mean, the only way we can truly genuinely rejoice and see God's plan working through the pain, the trials, the suffering, those difficulties is if we've experienced that new birth, that resurrection of our own lives into the life of Jesus Christ. That is how we rejoice greatly in all of these trials, assured, assured of God's plan working its way to fulfillment in our lives and in our world. But I just want to end here with a prayer and we're going to sing a song. Um, I got I get, you got to love, I got to love just the end of that introduction. Grace and peace to you. Is that what it said there? Great, you know, we have this moment here where we always talk about the passing of the peace where we extend grace to one another. The introverts hate it, the extroverts love it, but it's a very, very powerful point in our worship service where we're not just saying hi to one another but we're saying grace and peace to one another. Because what we're saying to one another in that moment is this, whatever got you here this past week, I'm, I'm sure of this. There were moments when you needed the grace of God to get you through, to bring you back here. And there are moments of such turmoil in your life where you needed the peace of God to help you to get up. Because this world, if I can swing it all the way back around, this world, yeah, stuff is right. There's pain, there's uncertainty, there's work. But there's rejoicing in the suffering of this world for the glory of God to be revealed in us. There's uncertainty in our experience right now, but as there's the certainty of the inheritance that is being kept, that is being guarded, you gotta love that word, is being guarded for you now in heaven when Christ will be revealed. And until Christ is revealed, and we pray every day for Christ to come again, that this revelation will speak now to us. Those who are called, those who are exiled, those who've been scattered here to Colorado.